This is Divorce Happy Hour, a show about divorce and issues people face going through divorce. Your co-hosts are Christina Previtt and John Nocklinger. For more information about the show and to connect with us, head over to divorcehappyhour.com. And now, on to today's show. This is Divorce, the Divorce Happy Hour podcast, and I am one of your hosts today, Christina Previtt, half of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, and joining me today are the ex-experts, Jessica Klingbaum and T.H. Irwin. Thank you for joining me today, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, Thanks for saying yes. (laughs) And you guys have a really interesting story because you, I don't, without giving too much away, because I want you to tell your stories. You were friends, you knew each other, you kind of were hanging out in the same circles and you kind of had like these parallel lives because you got divorced about the same time. Right. But your divorces were very different. They were like, almost polar opposites. Yes. So why don't we talk about that? I'll let you guys fight for the mic, whoever wants to go first. So how do you know each other? I'll start with that because I I love the story. She loves this story. (laughs) There are three sides to every story before she tells the story, okay? TH and my my ex-husband, Darren, went to high school together. They were best friends in high school. So, and I met him in college. And so when I, when he and I had started dating, like I kept hearing all about his best friend, TH, his best friend, TH. So um, we started, he and I started dating like at the very beginning of the year. And TH had also another friend that went to the the school that Darren and I went to. So she came up over uh, Halloween weekend and his house was having a huge party. And I was like, just so excited to finally meet her because I'd heard so much about her. So she comes into the party and I like recognized her from pictures or something. And, and she evidently didn't know who I was and like Darren wasn't with me. So I go like running over to her and I'm like, oh my God, you're TH, I'm Jessica, it's so nice to meet you. And she was so standoffish. And I go back to Darren and I'm like, she's a bitch. That's your best friend. I was like, ew. And then now she admits like, well, she, Darren hadn't told her anything about me. So she's like, I didn't know who you were. Like you're just running over to me at the party. But after we all graduated, we were all living in the city together and we all started hanging out together all the time. And Tate and I became really close and her husband and mine had also become really close. And then it was like, we were just doing tons of stuff together. We got engaged within a month of each other. We got married within a month of each other. We used to travel together. Our sons were born a week apart. So we were like all, you know, doing all of these things. and as it turns out, our husbands were also doing things that we didn't know about and like covering for each other. And then we found out about that stuff within a week of each other and and both kind of went through the divorce at the same time, except the actual divorce processes were totally different. That's my version of the story. Yeah. So TH, do you have anything to add or revise there? No. <laughs> oh, so that part is consistent. You're both on the same well, page. I could see why she would think I was a bitch because <laughs> I didn't know who she was and I was just looking for Darren. And look, we're in college showing up at a Halloween party. Everybody's drinking. Who knows what I drank before I even got to that party. And this little thing comes jumping up to me and I was like, where's Darren? <laughs> I don't even know who you are. 
And then that, so it was true, but my intention wasn't to be a bitch. I just like, who are you and, and where's Darren? And why do I care? <laughs> and, and yeah, right. Why are you yeah. introducing yourself to me? Who are you? So anyway, that was it. But thank goodness for that because Jessica and I have been, um, like the greatest of friends, you know, they're best friends and they're good friends, but somehow we've worked it out that we listen really well for each other. We're not offended by each other's opinions. We take it to heart actually. And, um, you know, there, everybody has like different categories of friends, right? Like she's once in a while, he's eh, maybe if we go out to dinner, but Jessica's always like, it's never a problem. And I think that's the feelings mutual. So that's how we've been able to support each other and, and make our friendship grow even more over all these years. Well, it's funny that that beginning part is sort of a lasting impression, right? To be honest, really just... I didn't even remember it. But now Jessica said the story so many times, I feel like I do remember it, even though I totally do not remember it, but now it's ingrained in my memory because she's put it there. So I just remember going to a Halloween party and seeing Darren and being with my friends. And so. So, yeah. um, so then, and it's interesting that you guys got engaged around the same time and then your divorces initiated around the same time. Yeah. And we married I, within a month of each other also. I mean, right. we were totally living parallel lives if you're looking from the outside in. But the inside out was totally different. And what was going on in our homes was totally different. And as we were growing up, I mean, Jess, what you were 23 years old and I was 25 years old when we got married. So we were very young and just, you know, what is our career? What's our, you know, the whole world's there and now we're getting married and we just kind of went through the, you know, path. So I know the, obviously your backstory, but for people watching, what was going on during the marriage that um, you guys sort of found out about later? Well, I mean, my husband was having an affair and um, I, I had had uh, like a little information about it at one point, but totally not the realization of like the actual situation and kind of what was going on. Um, and I think that with everyone in, in, at certain stages of their lives, right? Like there are things that you kind of try to put aside or that you choose to ignore, or you choose to, um, not acknowledge because for whatever reason, you're not ready, you're not there. You, you, you don't have the bandwidth for it. I don't know. Um, but I know that when I found out like, like in my face, um, about what was going on, I, at that point, Point, I guess I was ready to just say, I just think that we're done. So, and then I found out subsequently over the course of probably uh, a few months following the initial, like, you need to move out and I think we should get divorced. I found out that um, while he had been having an affair, he had also been with numerous other women. And, what, and so I was like, there's to, for me, there's no way to reconcile this. I just needed to kind of focus on what can our relationship be now that will be the most, most beneficial to both of us and for our kids and whatever happened, happened. And it doesn't negate the 18 years we had together. We've been together for a long time. It wasn't like it was a short-term marriage and there was no foundation. Like 
we grew up together. I met him when I was 18. And so I decided to kind of focus on that. Um, and not the fact that he had been like gallivanting all around, all around the city. How did you find out about the affair or affairs? Um, she called my apartment looking for him one night and he had been asleep and I woke him up and, and the story that she had told, I didn't realize who it was, but the story that she had told was something totally legit uh, about a real estate development deal that he had been working on. So I woke him up and handed him the phone. But I sat there because he'd been sleeping. So I was gonna take the phone back into the living room so he could go back to bed. But uh, the conversation that they had was not about the real estate development deal that he was doing. And so after I hung up and I was like, who the hell was that? He he was sort of fumbling to, to tell some kind of a story. And it became clear, I just, the uncomfortable feeling that I had, I mean, that was the real, like my gut screaming at me, like everything that you've thought up until now, this is it, like shit or get off the pot. And so the next morning I woke up and I was like, you need to move out. So you knew in your heart of hearts, I mean, we know, right? We know things. You knew that he was having an affair with this woman. I knew that he, that something had happened at some point, but I didn't understand like the gravity of really what had been going on. But I will say, while clearly there were issues in our marriage, because I don't think that that kind of thing just happens out of nowhere. And when we were together alone, there was so much tension, which is probably normal for people in um, marriages where things like that are happening. But I will say, like up until the very end, when we were out with other people and friends of ours and traveling, like we had a great time together. I think that's also part of why I was able to kind of like refocus and, and make it the way that it is today, because there was still a lot that I liked about him. I just wasn't able to be married to a guy who was like, you know, hooking up with other women. <laughs> but what was going on before that? Because it seems to me that if you thought everything was okay, and then, you know, maybe you were having issues, but not maybe not suspecting that he was having an affair. And then he has this odd phone interaction. Probably your first reaction isn't going to be to ask him to leave. So was it sort of on top of other things that had been happening? I think there was so much tension when we were home alone, that there were times that I was like, this can't be like what marriage is actually supposed to be. When we were out around other people, we were, there wasn't that tension, I guess, because there were other buffers around. So we still got along and we, and frankly, TMI, we still were having sex until the end. So it, it I don't know how to describe it other than I'd had, I'd had, um, you know, I, I kind of knew like a year prior-ish, I don't know if it was a year prior, that like he had kissed someone and that was all I thought it was. And we'd been together for, at that point, I don't know, 17 years. So like, okay, I was trying to figure out how to maneuver around that. I had a new baby. At whatever the reasons were at the time that I initially had information, I just wasn't ready to act on it and do anything. At the time that I found out like that that phone call happened, my youngest was turning two like the next week. I, I was ready. I was like, all of the things that I've been feeling are like coming to a head right here, right now. I have a great job. I have the support that I need. I'm gonna be okay. I'm, I'm out. I was ready at that point. I wasn't ready, I don't think, when I had, when I had thought before because I, had my kids were like two and zero. Yeah. 
I just don't think I was ready to do it. So did you confront him about it that night or the next morning? Oh, I confronted him about it that night saying like, who, what was that phone call? And he lied about it. And I even went so far as, uh, no, I didn't call, I, no. So the, the next more, he didn't fall back asleep, which to me was like, I remember vividly thinking he's still awake because he's freaking out because he's lying to me. I woke up the next morning and I basically was like, it doesn't matter who was on the phone. The, what matters is that I don't believe you. And I think the trust is broken. And I just think that we should get a divorce. And I, he was like blindsided. I don't know why, but he was. So he was trying to kind of fight for it. And I was like, I, I just think that we need to get a divorce. Like I just, there, I can't, I, I, and so I agreed to go to counseling. We went for a couple of weeks. I was like, I don't need to go to counseling for someone to tell me to get divorced. Like I'm already out. Um, it just sort of reinforced for me, like everyone's different, you know, to each their own, to, to people who decide to work through it and stay together after they have hard and fast information that, that their spouse has been, uh, unfaithful that good for them. I personally need to be in a relationship where my significant other only wants me and only has eyes for me. And that's just what I need. And, um, and so I just, for me, I just knew that it couldn't work. So the counseling was sort of like, I agreed because we'd been together for so long out of respect for him and respect for our marriage. I agreed to go, but I knew very shortly in, in that I was like, I don't know why we're doing this. Like, I'm never going to be able to make it work. So he didn't want to get a divorce when you first approached him with that. Or so he said, I said, I'm not going to counseling if you think that we want to, you want to get divorced too, because I already think we should get divorced. So I will only go if your purpose for going is to try to work it out. And he had said, yes, that he wanted to try to work it out. Listen, I think that, I think he did want to stay married. I, I think that we, he and I had a really special relationship and I think we still do. And I think that he is someone who didn't think through what the consequences would be. And I don't think he thought I would ever leave. And I think he was really surprised that I did and really, really remorseful at the end, which is also a huge reason why we're as close as we are today. He was not a dick about it. He was so apologetic and so remorseful and so sad about what was happening that it actually helped me to like move on and be like, we can still be friends because he does clearly care about me. He wasn't like, get the hell out. It's always curious to me when somebody is having an affair, but then they don't want to get divorced. I think people don't think about the consequences. It's but it's like, but you're already stepping out on the relationship. So it's sort of like- It's gotta be a men be from Mars, women from Venus thing. I mean, it just has to be. It makes no sense. Like how could a woman or a man carry on affairs for multiple years with one or many women and think there aren't consequences for it? I mean- you don't get to just do whatever you want, you know? But why like, do they want to be married is what I don't understand. Oh, why do you want to be kids married? And they like the idea of family and you, you know, you celebrate things together. I mean, there's, you know, you get all that. My ex-husband used to travel all the time, come home. All the kids love him, you know, fills him up when he would come home. But can't wait to see dad. I you also know? think, I also think for us, like, we had never gone to marriage therapy earlier. We were, again, TH said, like we were super young when we got married. I'm not, I don't know if that's an excuse, but we just never had. And I think that 
we had a lot of things that fit together really well. And whatever he felt after we had kids and I didn't have enough time or attention for him or whatever the things were that started first making him feel like he wasn't getting what he needs, we didn't address it. So I think, I think if you like try to compartmentalize in his mind, I think it was like, he had all of this great stuff, not just like he comes home and like, you know, there's food for him and definitely not for me because I don't cook, but like we legit used to have fun together and there were a lot of great things about our relationship. And I think we genuinely liked each other in addition to being married, which nowadays I'm starting to realize is not always the case. But I think that there, you know, we had lost sort of the spark and the excitement and I don't know, it was easy for him to look the other way and think he's getting all this over there, but still ha is fulfilled in a large way by our family and, and the relationship with me. And, um, and again, I think if you're, if you're living in a world where you, people close to you or people you know are having affairs and cheating and, and people are staying together and people aren't finding out, I think you think your shit doesn't stink. You think you're not gonna get caught. You think if you do get caught, you're gonna be able to salvage it somehow. I don't think I was the example of what he thought was gonna happen. Yeah. Um, well, Tej, let me hear your story. What what was going on in, around the same time? I mean, I'm not exactly sure how long Darren and Darren's whole extracurricular activities lasted, but mine, his started right when my son was born. Um, my son is my youngest and Jessica's son is her oldest. So, and they're a week apart. So, um, but prior to that, it's been a slow, it was a slow burn. Mm -hmm. I gotta be honest. It was just, it was a slow deterioration, no communication. Um, just, it, it was, it was really a slow burn. So it's not like, holy shit, look at what's happening. It, it was, it was really, it, it was hard to see because it was so little every day, but it just, you tear away a little every single day. And um, by the time my son was born, he was MIA. So for four years, he was involved with someone else. And I was home and I was working and we had three kids under the age of two, four, six. Um, and we had, you know, we had me with the kids so I could go to work but he showed up when he felt like it and he didn't show up when he didn't feel like it and that became very apparent when I was making like the placemat for them in preschool with pictures and I don't have any pictures except for my son's first birthday which was like three years ago so those kinds of things were like inklings so like Jessica said you know she wasn't ready I for me, it was like a protective shield. If I didn't deal with it, it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I had my kids, I'm going to work, he's traveling, and that's how my story is going to be told. Even though everyone was coming to me and saying, he's not just traveling, this isn't normal, and you better open up your eyes. Who's everyone? Oh, my parents, my closest friends, were offering to hire a private detective. 
Um, so they all just found it odd that he was never there, that he has to be well, living this other life. The thing was, like I said, a slow burn, his career required him to travel. He would go to Singapore for two weeks, like legit. But then he didn't have to go away, but I didn't know that stopped. He kept going away. So he'd already set a pattern of having to travel for work. My father always traveled for work, like two, three weeks at a time, but he was honestly busting his ass to earn a living for, for our family. And so I just figured that's what he was doing. And I just, but it, it was personally um, debilitating to me, our marriage. I'm a very strong person. When I look back, I don't even know who that woman was for several years. I don't recognize myself. Um, I distanced myself from everyone because I didn't want to have to explain where he is. So I just focused on my job, focused on my kids, stopped socializing. And um, so my house was toxic and I was fighting so hard to just go to sleep at night and wake up and start again, put on a smile, get the kids to school, try to like absorb any bit of joy from my children to fill me up for what was kind of like rotting inside of me. And, you know, for our family, I was trying to, you know, have that take over what was being lost. So you must have thought to yourself, in addition to what everyone else was saying, that something is amiss. Yeah, I actually did go to see someone, a therapist at the time, and he was very straight with me. He said, you have two options. You can either continue to allow him to treat you the way he treats you, or you can leave. And I walked out of there thinking, I can't leave. I've got three kids. Whatever happened to talking to him first? <laughs> Did they skip that part or, or yeah. were we past that? Well, no, this was like, you mean speaking to the therapist? No, like saying, okay, it's time for us to yeah. work on our marriage together and communicate no, about- Kevin and I didn't speak. We had very little communication. It was just about the kids. And then slowly he started taking responsibilities away from me. Like, you've got the kids in your career. I'll take care of all the money now. You don't have to pay the bills anymore. And we should sell the house. Let's build a great big house. And I never wanted a big house. I like a small homey house, but I just, and I did say things. I'm like, why is this happening? And why is this charge on the credit card? And why, you know, why are you going to the gym at 6 a.m.? And there were things, but, but my, my self-protective shield, self-protected in quotes, because it obviously hurt me was if I don't hear it and I don't see it, it's not happening. I was fully in denial. And I do remember when I met with my attorney, she asked me if I had a diary and I didn't even remember having a diary, but when I went through all my stuff, I did. And I wrote everything down. That's how much I was suppressing the reality of what was going on in my relationship with him and my marriage. It was bad. It so how bad. did you find out about the affairs? So I got a phone call picking up my son on the carpool line where number one, I never get service. Number two, I really don't answer calls that I didn't know. But for whatever reason, I did that day and it went through. And she asked me if I was still married to him. And I said, yes. That's a bizarre, you, that's a bizarre phone call to get. Yes, because 
he was proposing marriage to her. And I think that someone who knew both him and I and her sent her a note. She got a note from someone anonymously saying that Kevin is still married. So it's honestly, like Jessica and I talk about it all the time. I mean, if we didn't have kids, we would have the best, forget Kardashians. We would have like <laughs> the craziest series on Bravo and everybody would want to advertise on our show, but we've got kids. And so that's as far as I'll go with that. But um, we always joke, like you literally can't make this shit up. You, yeah. you can't. And, it, and, and honestly, like it's not even worth it to bring it up anymore. But I did tell her that she saved my life that day. Really? I told her because he lied to her and he, she, he told her he was divorced. So she thought he was divorced. And so he, no wonder he had headaches, like honestly. So it, she, but anyway, she's married to him and they have a three-year-old. Did so, you feel like someone had punched you in the stomach when you got that call? I felt like I could finally breathe. Really? Like what I had been feeling was real. It was true. And I don't have to blame for leaving my marriage. Like that's what broke the camel's back. That's the straw. Our marriage was horrible for many years, but that was it. She opened the door and I freaking ran as fast as I could. But so how did you guys both learn later that during your respective marriages that they were both going on these vacations together with their mistresses. Well, 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 actually, wait, hang on one second. Jessica and I went away with them to Italy and then we went away to Vail, all four of us and other couples. And I, I was living a nightmare. I don't care if I was in the most gorgeous place on earth. I wanted to go home, but there was stuff happening and like friction and like, it just wasn't, I was alone the whole time on my vacation, if not for Jessica. And like, we both knew something was like, this what is not mean? like, you'd be on vacation and they would just go disappear. A little bit The The women weren't there, but, but what ultimately happened that we made the connection was when I got the call, I started, fortunately, I always had the passwords and everything for all of our accounts. And they had told us that they were going on this trip, this guy's trip, a motorcycle guy's trip. I called Jesse, I go, they weren't on the motorcycle guy's trip. They were away with their women at the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah. Here's a suite reserved at the Ritz-Carlton. When they said, that's how we knew that they were in cahoots. Right. You know. They called me a week after I had found out. I remember I was at work and I got a call from TH and she was like, you're never going to believe it. And she started telling me that the whole story. And then, and then I gleaned information from her. She was like, remember when they went to Costa Rica? It wasn't on this motorcycle trip together. They went to whatever, Ritz Carlton or Four Seasons with their girlfriends. So some of it I personally found out from TH, but Darren, I think in his state of remorse and um, just whatever shock that this was kind of what was happening, he started coming clean to some extent afterwards as well. So after he had moved out and I started asking more questions, he was admitting to me that there had been a, you know, a number of other women. And it turns out that the, the affair itself had started at least while I was pregnant with my daughter, if not prior to that. 
So it had been going on for at least two years. And I remember having this conversation with him and I'm like, you're that guy? Like, you're the guy that's out cheating while your pregnant wife is at home? And working. Right, and busting my ass, working in morning TV, no less, with like the worst hours. Um, But so Darren admitted a lot to me. And and to TH's point of like people trying to give you the, the flags while it's happening to you, Darren didn't travel for work, but he was out almost every night in the city, which at the time, honestly, was like fine with me because we were feeling the tension at home. I'm like, go out. He would tell me he's going out with his guy friends, which I really did believe. And I re- and then I realized that for a long time, those guy friends would say to me sometimes, do you know where he's going? Do you know, like he's out every night. Do you know what he's doing? And I'd be like, yeah, totally. He's going out with this one. And he went over here and they'd be like, okay. You don't want to believe it. You don't want to believe it. Tell me, but they were trying in their own ways to tell me. And then after we separated, I had conversations with a few of them that were like, I was trying so hard to tell you for so long. Yeah. Yeah, Because, you know, it's easy for other women to say, how could they not know? I right. think, you know, it's not a matter of knowing inside. It's whether or not you're ready to actually. Think. That's right. It's not a matter of knowing. And the, the real difference with um, Jessica's with Darren and with my ex is remorse and lack of remorse. And I think that that really does make a difference for people to take responsibility for their actions in general. Like, you know, we do stupid stuff all the time and, and you got to own it. If your kid's sitting there or someone else, or you own it for yourself, but there was no remorse on my end. There was a lot of blaming that was just, you know, blame. You mean you blamed yourself? No, no, no. He blamed you. It it was my fault. Of course. Because it couldn't be his fault. Regularly taking responsibility, even at their daughter's bat mitzvah, I went up to him because he made a speech that was really a toast as much to his daughter as to Jessica and the kind of mother she is and how amazing she is and how lucky their daughter is to have her. And he was, he was very, very tearful. And I think he was in shock that I went up to him. He's like, oh my God, TH came up to me and said something nice. I said, you know what, Darren? I'm glad you're human. And I'm glad you said all those things to Jessica because she, it's good for her to hear that. It's important that you know that to right. say it because I've yeah. never heard anything like it. So I, it was glaringly great, which is why they have a friendship today. For me, it's all business and, and not even great. Well, business. this is this is sort of where the parallel ends for you both is. Yes. You know, you had a more I, amicable situation. But Christine, I do want to just bring up one thing for anybody listening, which I think is really important. And I think that it hopefully is relatable to a lot of people. You know, Teach and I can talk about it openly now. It's been 13 years since we both separated in those marriages. And we've had a lot of like personal growth and a lot of therapy and, you know, are really lucky to be where we are today. And by having each other through the actual divorce process, obviously brought us closer in ways that people would never understand because you have to have that experience at the same time to kind of get where we were. But for anyone out there listening, this is not stuff that TH and I really talked about during our marriages. Neither of us knew TH knew that I thought that there was something going on or something had happened with Darren prior, but like nowhere near what it turned out to be. I had no idea 
how unhappy she was in her marriage. And the idea that when you're in an unhappy, unfulfilling, unsatisfying relationship that makes you feel bad about yourself inside, I do think it's natural to withdraw and not want to talk to people because the normal conversation, the normal conversation with people is like, how's it going? How is he? How are things? And it's like, you don't even want to talk about that. So you you, you pull back from people. So I just think it's important for people to know that as close as we are and as, as much as we've been through together, we were not even privy to all of the details, even to most of the details during our marriages with what was going on. It all kind of tumbled out afterwards and brought us again, even closer. But like, if there are people out there who are in, you know, situations that they're feeling bad about and, and are feeling like, oh, I wish I had a friend during that time that I could spill it all to. Like, we didn't even have that. It's very normal to not feel like you can talk to anybody about it in the moment. And also I would say that I had suppressed everything so much, like as deep down as it could possibly go, that I wouldn't be able to even vocalize it. I, I needed it. I needed time. I told Jessica something, I don't even remember what it was, to be honest, but not that long ago. And she's like, I had no idea. And, and that's because it, I, I pushed it down that I, I almost pretended it never happened. So I tricked my brain to not even think about it. So it never happened. And, and people would say to me, you know, this woman said something to me and she goes, how do you, it doesn't bother you that he just said that? I said, I don't even know what he said. That I remember. I remember responding, but I have no idea of what he said. So there are relationships like the one I was in that, you know, there, there's all kind of, you know, abuse is the word that's used emotionally, financially, physically, sexually, you know, everything. But each person is their own individual. They can only tolerate so much. They can only acknowledge so much. You have so much strength. Like I put all my strength in my kids and going to work and waking up every day and doing it again and not wasting any of my strength on acknowledging him, dealing with the situation at hand. And my kids were my priority and keeping my shit together. And then he was like, he wasn't even here. So it didn't even matter. I didn't even need to make decisions with him. I don't think that that's an uncommon story. It's not. Um, so it's something not. that you do, speaking of morning TV, sometimes I'll see on morning TV, uh, you know, a therapist saying people can survive infidelity. No, we can't can. forgive. What do you guys say about that? Well, we actually interviewed someone um, who I found on Clubhouse talking about discernment therapy. So like when when you really think that your marriage is over, you go to her and she helps you work through it and shows you all the ways that you could potentially salvage your marriage. Now, not every marriage can be saved. Mine, a hundred percent. I was not, I didn't want to be saved. I wanted to be saved by being out, but I thought it was so interesting. And she actually went through it herself with her husband. So she's living proof that it works. So I, I think that it, I think that you can reconcile, you know, if it's a one-time cheating situation, maybe he kissed her once, she's gone, came home so upset, I made a huge mistake. Four years, multiple women, I don't know, how much are you really going to, 
every person has to figure out what their level of tolerance is and how much respect they are getting in their marriage. There are just so many pieces to a marriage to make it work or any relationship. So if you're getting everything else and, and they she kiss somebody, I mean, it could go either way and, and you love, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm all about you. I don't know. You know, it could work. Well, then you get those people that say, well, what about an open relationship? I mean, I personally, I don't get what that's all about, but there are people but that see, right say, there. Everybody's their own individual and whatever works for them. I mean, I kind of feel like as, as we've grown through all this and Jessica and I've been in different relationships since our separations, I just kind of put myself out there and kind of, okay, you didn't work out. But this is what I learned. And this is what I don't want. You don't yeah. even know what you want until you find it, but you, your list of don't wants gets, gets bigger and bigger. So you want an open relationship. You never want to be married again. Yeah. Congrats. So what about you, Jessica, because your situation was different. You did have a husband who was, as you say, genuinely remorseful. Did it sounds like that didn't really make a difference for you. I think at that point for me, since I had known about like this kiss from before, I think there was a part of me that was like, this is going to be a pattern that I wasn't really willing to put up with. Um, I think that I felt like I was in a good enough place in my life that I was, I think there was, thank God, still like enough self-confidence in me to be like, I'm a good catch. I was 36 years old. I had a great career. I had two little kids. I was going to be able to stand on my own. I was kind of like, I'm young enough that I deserve to have the kind of relationship that I want, which is not a guy who's been out screwing other people. I am not sure if I had found out that he had slept with someone, but it had only happened once. I don't know, I can't tell you today what my reaction would have been. The problem was that when I found out, I found out that it had been going on for a long time and that was too much for me. And I had a young son and a young daughter and that is not what I wanted them to grow up watching. I did not want them to grow up watching their dad cheating on their mom and, and watching their mom sit around and taking it. Like I have too much of a backbone for that, that's bullshit. And it's not what I want. I also think that there um, possibly could have been um, other, you know, adult figures in Darren's life where those types of things had been going on and he had seen patterns where the women had stayed. I think there are certain cultures that are more male dominated and, and, and women are more prone to accept that kind of behavior. And it's what they're used to for good or for bad. Um, and I just felt like I wanted no part in that. I, I was really lucky to have, I think, a great example of what marriage should be. My parents now, it's been more than 50 years. They're still together. They're in their 70s. Do they fight? Sure. Do they love each other? Absolutely. My parents legit enjoy each other's company and want to be married to each other. And that's what I've kind of always strived to have. So I believe I believe that people can try to work through infidelity. I'm not sure that I believe that the person who's been cheated on ever really gets past it. They may learn to accept it for one reason or another. I 
myself having been there and feeling the humiliation, the humiliation, to be honest, was the worst part of everything. Getting divorced sucks. Having people around you know that your spouse cheated on you is absolutely humiliating to the core. I don't know how a person can stay with that person and never think about that again and, and, and get past it and, and feel like they can regain the connection that they may have once had knowing that they have totally broken that trust. I, I don't know, but I will also say that I think that people are willing to make certain sacrifices in right. certain relationships. I think that in some cases, there may be people who are in a relationship and maybe their uh, spouse has a ton of money and maybe the cheating is something that they're willing to put up with for the lifestyle that they live in. I think there are a lot of different reasons why people will stay in those relationships, but do I think that you can totally move past it and as if it had never happened before? I don't. It's like a war wound that you're yeah. going to carry around with you. And then it's what you do with it. Do you let that decide how your marriage is going to go? Or are you going to just, I don't, I, I also could not do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't think that I could ever trust the person again. Exactly. I mean, every time they're, you know, a little shady with their cell phone, you're going to wonder. Or someone like brushes past them or he looks at someone a certain way and be like, is he cheating? Yeah, you just yeah. drive yourself crazy. I, I, that's so or, or late, late for work, you know, late from work or I, I, I know I personally couldn't do it. Um, I'm not going to speak for everybody. There may be some people that can, um, you know, like I said, the morning TV therapists seem to think you can work through it. I but... think there are people that can, that can make themselves believe that they can work through anything. I mean, people go through war wounds and, and horrific tales of abuse and, and are able to live very productive, fulfilling lives in the end. I don't think that means that they're not still damaged or don't still have trauma from yeah. those things. And I think it depends on, on where you want that to be in your life. Like right. I, I, it's not for me. I you have to figure that... out what your life is gonna look like. And if you're fine with it, that's great. I mean, everybody makes their own bed. Correct. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. That's why you said open marriage. If that works for you and you're good citizens and you're nice, I don't really give a shit. I, yeah, I know. I just, I feel like when I hear it though, I'm always like, is that really what you want? Or is that just what you think that you're stuck with right now? Or maybe they're not happy and they're happy with everything else. So, you know, and yeah, or for me, it, it becomes like, do you have a self-esteem problem that you don't think you deserve to have better than that? Right. That's exact. That's exactly what I think to some degree, and that's yeah. kind of, I guess, what I was saying. Like I use the word self confidence, but that is what it is. Like I, I have too much self esteem. I would rather not be in a relationship at all right. than be in a relationship where I feel like I'm Plan B. Yeah. Do you guys think that there are cheaters? There are guys who are just, or and women too. There's cheaters. Or do you think there are just situations in a marriage that sometimes exist in such a way that it creates the perfect storm for a, an affair to happen? I'll, so, I'll start there. Um, because 
I I did get I have been married twice. My second husband has never cheated and would never in a million years. Like he has the strongest moral compass of anyone I've ever even met. Um, but I dated a lot in between marriages and subsequently. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, I think that's a really good question. I, I actually do believe that there are cheaters where there's a pattern of cheating and that's just kind of inherently who they are. I think it's possible that over time they can kind of, um, I don't know what the word would be, grow out of it or like realize the the after effects of what they've created and, um, and not be doing that anymore. I, I really think it's possible despite what um, the, all of the cheating that Darren has engaged in in his life. I believe that he's in a very stable relationship right now. And he has seen like, you know, the side effects of, of what his actions have been. And I believe him when he says that he'll never be unfaithful again in a relationship. Um, but I would categorize that. I mean, I think for whatever, however many years he, he was really a cheater. Um, there have been men that I've met um, on dates who have admitted to me like some of them before we ever even actually met in person that they had had affairs in their marriages. And then I didn't even go and meet them. And then there are people that I met who I met in person and really liked. And then shortly thereafter admitted that there had been an incident in their marriage and they seemed really remorseful about it. And I think some of it has to do with like, what kind of responsibility do they take when they're telling you that story and like how respectful does it seem? Um, so I do feel like there are guys that I actually think won't cheat again because I think that their personal experience having done it once was like really shocking to them when they saw the consequences of their actions. But I, I do believe that there are some people who might do it and not do it again. And then I believe that there are some people who it's just, that's kind of just who they are. What do you think, TH? TH thinks once a cheater, always a cheater. I do. <clears throat> I, I, but, but look, nothing's in isolation, right? So it's whatever's going on in your life that leads to the actions that you follow through with and the decisions that you make, whether you're cheating or you're buying something or whatever it is, it's not just, I'm going to cheat. It's not a silo. I think that it's complicated. I think that my marriage was, was deteriorated to a point that he could have said, I want a divorce. Mm -hmm. And instead chose to have another life for four years. And because I allowed it, you know, I, I enabled it, which I do take responsibility for that I enabled it. Because I could have said, don't come home anytime during those four years. But I have my reasons for not having done that. And he has his more screwed up reasons for not coming clean, not being brave. I wasn't brave either. I wasn't brave. I didn't trust my parents. We just celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary. They are just so cute together. And so I don't grow up with divorce. I'm not a child of divorce, but I didn't want my children to be a children of divorce. It's like a scarlet letter. It's like the worst thing I could do to my kids is put them in a family of divorce. That's what I was thinking at the time. But if you listen to the logical TH, it's this is not a healthy marriage. 
great. This is not like what Jessica was saying. This is not the example. And I can't put it all on my parents. Well, don't look here, but look to the right and look to the left. Your bro my brother's in a happy marriage. Parents, just don't look at home. You know, so I don't think it's an isolation. I think that as ironic as it is, the decisions he made were for the similar reasons that uh, the decisions that I made to not leave earlier and to have this other life. Like we were both afraid and whatever. And we've never talked about it because he doesn't, he, he just, whatever. Um, he doesn't care. And honestly, I could, I could care less. I'm not looking to repair that. I'm just looking to repair the damage that was done to me personally to make sure that never happens again. So I know that's like kind of a convoluted thing, but there are people who trust a cheater. And, and like Jessica said, maybe they've got a ton of money. Maybe she's got a ton of money and it just works and they're fine with it. Or maybe they live mm -hmm. in separate rooms or maybe they live in separate houses and they have an arrangement. I mean, these days you could do anything. Look, infidelity is no fault. Nobody cares. Judge doesn't care. How well, in divorce court, whatever. at least in New Jersey, I can speak for New Jersey. But, I, but right. I will say this, even though I do think that there can be a point at which someone may have learned their lessons, I will say that, that to me, cheating is, uh, I don't know if I'm articulating this correctly. I think cheating is a sign of weakness and cowardice. I think that if you're in a relationship where you get to a point that you actually are going to go forward and have sex with another person, kiss another person, do anything intimate with another person, you're a coward for not having the balls to stand up to your significant other and say, this is how unhappy I am. And I will say that as, as bad as TH's marriage was, as bad as my marriage evidently was, neither of us cheated that's going all the way. Like, uh, not for nothing. We, I'm sure if we wanted to hook up with other people, I'm sure we could have found- I'm pretty sure you could have. Guys that we could have had, that we could have done it with. And we chose not to because of our own strong ethical values and family values. Like, you know what? It's cheating is a way for you to force the issue to the end and get out in a way where you do have the opportunity to say, I'm a dick, I'm a bitch, it was my fault, I made this huge mistake. For us, it was an opportunity to be like, I'm out of here and I'm not the one to blame because he took it to the nth degree and I didn't. But I feel like regardless of if you're gonna keep doing it or if you've only done it once, you're weak that you actually had to do it at all. I think it's weakness yeah. and it's also lack of self-respect. It, it is for me, it's a lot of respect. It's so, like you talk about being humiliated. For me, it's ultimate disrespect what he did. Right. And maybe they go of, hand in hand. That's not a lack of self respect, though. That would be as if a lack of respect for me and self respect, correct. Self respect in my mind for himself. Oh, I don't know if I agree with I that mean, part of it. How does he go around and do that? I, the reason that we would never do that in my mind is we have too much respect for ourselves and we Love are going to accept ourselves in a certain way right. and we're always going to be ladies we generally 99.9 percent .9 of the time don't badmouth them and right. certainly not in public ear right because that's 
disrespectful to us, putting those words out there coming from my voice and my mouth right. is ugly for me. And I'm not going to disrespect myself True. in that way. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. I mean, like I said, we have sure. children and so this can't yeah. go to that other point, but I'm not sure it would help anyway. It just yeah. Well, TH, do you think that your ex-husband feels any shame about what he did? No, no. So, um, there are certain people, right. And Jessica and I talk about doing a podcast about this. Um, and we will, so you can tune into X experts and hear it, but there's a difference between a narcissist and an asshole. Yes, I okay. agree with that. I agree there with are that. women and men who have narcissistic tendencies, but are not clinically a narcissist. They're just and an then ass- there are others who are narcissists. And so I that's who I married. And actually, when I went to the therapist to I brought him to the therapist to figure out how we were going to tell our kids. Like I was on a charge. We're telling our kids, we're doing this, we're doing that. And he just followed along. And, and she said to me, she said, I just want you to know after he left that he's a narcissist. And so you need to understand what that means while you start your divorce, because it's a totally different mindset. It's not rational. It's not logical. It's not even ethical (laughs) to some degree. And so my divorce was four years and contentious because his mind works that way. It only takes one to make a divorce a shit show. You don't even need to. You just need one to be like, okay, now we're going here. Now custody expert, now employability expert. Now we're going to have you evaluated for your skills as a mother my skills you left them with me for four years if you were so worried about it you should have come home right so so it only takes one and and to your point christina at the very beginning like i was relieved i was like great meeting with the lawyers this is gonna be done because he wants out and i want out and instead he dragged it for four years while he was still in it just so it makes no sense so i think that there are different personalities and i married one and I don't mean to use that word for Darren. And I don't really think he is one, but I think that he's stupid um, many times. So, but anyway, those are the two extremes and they are not to be confused because there yeah. is a difference. No, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, we constantly get phone calls. It's sort of a little bit of a joke in our office that all the women say their husbands are narcissists, right. but all the husbands say their wives are bipolar. Right. And totally. I always think the women are nuts and the guys are jerks and they also have small penises too. Oh, totally. I oh, mean, right. I think the penis was probably me. okay at, on the wedding day, but now it's not. <laughs> right. Right. All of a sudden. That's another joke. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, you know, all these people aren't narcissists and all these women are not bipolar. Some of them are, um, yeah. not all of them though. But, but when we go on dates with other people and Jessica and I like recap them, the guys are always like, oh, she's fucking nuts. And, and they're waiting for me like, oh, he's an asshole. He's just a thief. He's a, cro-. it's the same thing every time. They don't even know what they're talking about. And the truth is 
to talk about self-respect again, what you say and put out into the world, like, just be careful for anybody listening. Just be careful what you say, keep it in your, like, just to me and Jessica and now Christina, but you know, just keep it really close. You don't want people hearing it. Don't put it on social media. Think before you press send. Don't say it in front of your kids. Record it and hide it away. Don't leave a voicemail. Don't dial drunk. Like you're going to regret it. It's going to come back and haunt you. And it's a reflection on you. Mm -hmm. He could be the biggest jerk, thief, abuser in the world. But if you're the one saying it, now you're the problem. I just started watching last night, Dirty John, uh, uh, Betty. I watched that a little bit and I was like, it's crazy. You know, it's. I only watched the first episode, but it seems pretty darn accurate. Yeah. So I'm a special narcissistic sociopath in that show. But also the way that she reacted to the wife, because she, you really see a very good example of what happens in a divorce proceeding when one of the people does not want the divorce. Yeah. Because she just, she won't respond to letters. She won't participate. She won't engage. Um, and it just slows down the entire process. Right. So if, for right. anybody watching, I, yeah. I would recommend that you watch that. And 100%. so I have to ask you, Jessica, um, that, you know, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Have you forgiven Darren? Um, I think I have, because I think I, I, I don't remember what the exact phrasing is. Right. But it's like the definition of forgiveness is like, like letting it go and just not like harboring uh, the anger over it. I'm not angry at all. Um, I feel to some extent, similarly to TH that like, she did me a favor because he went on to repeat patterns and I, and it wasn't my problem anymore. Um, I think he has a lot of redeeming qualities, which is what allows me to stay as close with him as I can. And I think he overall is a really good dad. And I think even married couples get irritated with each other and argue with each other. And so, you know, there's still some of that, like we definitely have our moments. Um, But I feel like I have forgiven him because I've been able to move on and like, look at how well we're doing and look at what we are able to offer to our kids and what they see and their comfort level with it. It was just Aaron's birthday. Um, like a week and, uh, I guess it was like a week and a half ago and his girlfriend called and invited me to dinner. It was literally just she and Darren and our kids and his kids from his other, the other relationship, which aren't his girlfriend's kids. Um, and it was like, it wasn't even like he, they were having a party. Like, I am so glad that I'm able to be a part of that. My kids love when we're all together. I, I, I see an actual difference like in their level of kind of like, you know, relaxation and whatever, when we're all together, it's, it's very, there's no tension. Um, so I do, I think that I have forgiven him. I've moved on with my life and I've accepted what it is and I don't harbor any resentment. There have been times over the years where I've been sad about like, if I hadn't gotten divorced, I might not be dealing with this specific issue and sadness in some moments where, Yes, we're all together, but it still is probably a little different from my kids. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I definitely think I've forgiven him. I guess, TH, we know the answer. <laughs> I will say that he has no power over me anymore. 
And so forgiveness, like Jessica said, in the traditional way, do I absolve you of all of the shit that you did? No, no, I don't. But the truth is, I don't really care. It's your problem. It's what you did. Those are your actions. You do what you want with it. So he has no power over me. He doesn't trigger me in any way anymore. I'm leading my own life in the way that I want. and He cannot influence me. I will say that he continues to surprise me. I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, even keel. And then something happens. I'm like, seriously, still like, almost like, dude, look in the mirror. What are you even saying? So it's, it's like astonishing to me sometimes, but yeah. And, and I'm sure that throughout this, you know, broadcast. And I, as I've listened to podcasts, Jessica and I've done, I know that I get like more passionate when I speak about certain things only because it, it was really hard. It was probably the worst time for me. And I'm a breast cancer survivor, but nobody hurt me personally and my morale and made me feel like I was somebody who I wasn't more than him. And so, you know, that's did you, um, did you, or do you ever, and, and maybe you just don't even see any value to this. Do you ever look back and reflect on yourself more and how you conducted your respective marriages? Um, and just kind of think to yourself, how did I get there? Well, I, I definitely, I had like an aha moment, you know, we're talking about like how you grew up, like Darren's role models or whatever. Everybody's childhood has role models that are good and bad. And you feel like you're scorned because your mother did this or your father didn't do that or whatever. And, you know, these points of growth that you need in your life. And I saw quite a few things in the way that I was brought up that Kevin repeated so again, it was the devil you know, instead of the devil you don't know, it was easier. And him traveling was more of what I knew than him being home for dinners on Friday night. That's not how I grew up. So all of those things were accepting to me. Um, my daughter the other day, because we just went on a trip with my parents, um, my father's, my parents are very, very close with my children. And something came up in a conversation and my father told me that my daughter's response, my oldest, who's now 21, said he was a terrible father. I mean, terrible husband, sorry, but he's a, he's a good dad. So, you know, my beef with him is not her beef with him. Mm -hmm. And now I'm currently moving. I, I've, I'm in an amazing, like the greatest relationship of my life. So I'm looking through pictures and stuff. And now I clearly see what was missing in our marriage because I have it now and I've never had it before, ever. And I look back at pictures and I'm smiling in them with him and I can't even remember who that girl was. So when you're talking about forgiveness, I think that hurt is so deep that I truly don't remember. I look happy and I'm sure that I was for a while you know how you like feel it inside when you're happy? You like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's like your whole body feels good when you think about stuff. It's totally a, like a blank stare for me. And, and 
not really interested in digging into it anymore, but I've got like a bin of photographs and wedding albums and everything. And I've asked them, my kids, what do you want me to do with this? And one of my kids said, it's not my memory. You can get rid of it. Hmm. And that like made me feel a little bit sad, but it's not her memory, but I'm still going to save a few things in case she changes her mind down the road and I don't want it already long gone. But um, so, you know, when you look back and it depends on where you are looking back, I see a lot of support groups online. I read a lot, a lot of angry people, a lot of scorned women and men and he took me by surprise and she took me by surprise. And you know what, you have to look at yourself. You have to figure out what works for you. It takes two to tango. Any marriage didn't work, not just because of one person. You could have not been the worst person, but somehow you played the game. I played the game of the enabler. I was not a cheater. I was not disrespectful to him ever. I was not, you know, any of those things, but I allowed the behavior to happen. And so, sorry, but you look back and see clearly only when you're in a space that that's really good for you and you've done the work for yourself. Otherwise you're gonna look back and you're always gonna cry. And why, why is this happening to me? And, and woe is me and I can't get out of bed and she's gallivanting around. So those are your stages past divorce and Jessica and I now are at great stages in our lives. Um, but that's how I can look back with clarity and know the things that, that we were clearly missing. Well, Steve Jobs always uh, said, there's a quote that always floats around that he said, you can connect the dots looking back, mm. not sure. going forward. So hindsight is 2020 for mm -hmm. sure. And when you're yeah. in it, you're in the muck. And then when you're going through a divorce, I mean, just, you know, Christina, I mean, really how much paperwork do I need? Do you really need to know every little, so all the time that you're digging up all that shit, that's even more exhausting on you, aside from all the mental stuff you have to deal with. Oh, exhausting I mean, for me. Right. <laughs> and you become their therapist, right? Yeah. So that's, that's why we created X Experts, because we wanted to create a community where Jessica and I have lived it, we get it. 42% of the population has lived it, they get it. And if we bring people like you together with people like us, then maybe we can help someone make it a little bit easier. Walk into your office, Christina, and say, I've got questions for you. I'm interviewing somebody else also, and I wanna go with someone who I really connect with. I didn't do that. I spewed it all over, I would have spewed it all over your desk and you would have been like, all right, let's go. You know, I was ready. So, you know. Yeah, well, you were in a different place then. Sure. What about you, Jessica? I definitely think that for a while, it was very easy for me to make it like I hadn't done anything wrong because I think technically I hadn't done anything wrong. Um, I think as the years went by, I was able to kind of look back and be like, yeah, I can, I can see a little bit about like some of the things that became issues. I think for us, our biggest mistake, honestly, was not, um, was not communicating well enough to be like, maybe we should go to couples therapy. I, I don't know, right? I really don't know how things would have turned out anyway. Um, 
And would he have cheated anyway? I don't know, maybe, but maybe he just has those tendencies. But I think that there are things we probably could have worked through in hindsight. But I think that it's very easy to be in a marriage where you're feeling tension and you're feeling stress and you are working and you've got the kids and you've got all these other things going on. And you're like, I just don't really want to deal with that right now. And so for anyone listening, I would say, if you ever have a thought of like, I don't want to deal with it right now, you got to deal with it right now. Because the longer you put it off in dealing with it, the bigger it's going to get. And that is going to push you to the end. I still think that regardless of what I did wrong, I wasn't the one that took it to the nth degree and I didn't cheat. So I still believe that the, that the end was his fault. Could we have worked through it? Maybe. Could we have worked through it? Maybe not. But I think that when you, you're the person who does that, you're, you're making the decision you know, now that I'm saying that, that the words are coming out of my mouth, I think that that may have also been part of like the humiliation part of it. Like if we had decided mutually to end our relationship, right? I think that would have maybe, I wouldn't have been embarrassed about it, but it's like once someone cheats on you, now they have the control in a sick way. And now you don't, what are your options at this point? You can have everybody look at you and be like, she stayed? Or you can have everyone look at you and be like, she got cheated on. Like, there's no good way out of it. But I think that I don't, once he took that sort of control, I, I, there was no place else for me to go. Like, I couldn't. Yeah. So. It was I, a sole decision on his part. That's right. And I, and I think that I'm not going to say I resent that because I don't carry resentment for him anymore. But I think that that was really a hard thing for me. Like I'm a person who's, I'm kind of type A. I, I, I like being in control. I like knowing kind of what's going on and things. And I don't like being put in a position where I feel like I'm caged in. And now you're not really leaving me any options for getting out. Um, so I had to just literally like bust out because I knew for me, like that was the only way self-respect wise that I was going to be able to like continue on. Um, but anyway, the short answer to your question is yes, I have looked back and I recognize things that I would not let happen again in a future relationship. I think the things that went wrong with Darren and I are nothing like what went wrong in my second marriage, that those were completely different issues. Um, and you learn, like TH said, from every relationship that you have, like what you, what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate. And sometimes you don't know, cause it's not something you've dealt with before. And then you find yourself in a relationship and you're like, you know what, there are all of these really good things over here, but there are still these things over here. And I don't think that they sit well with me. So if you don't address those things, then you're part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, I've had other podcast episodes about how to have uncomfortable conversations. It's a hard you feel thing so do. much relief. If you have it, the scariest part is how is actually saying it. Right. Like I had to have a conversation today, this morning, and I've been doing about it and not sleeping. And because I was reverting to, to my past, like I could never I would be afraid to bring up something to Kevin that I think would maybe upset him mm -hmm. or challenge him in any way. So sometimes you revert back, but then I was like, what am I talking about? I'm with the most amazing guy. 
we talk about everything. We communicate. Like you have to like snap out of it and realize this isn't that relationship, but identify that this is why you're acting that, you know, feeling it's old, that it's old muscle memory. It is. And it, and it, it just shows you how far you've come. So yeah. it's not a bad thing, it, but it, but it will come up on you at random times. Yeah. Um, and you both answered this question a little bit, but I have a coach who always says that out of every bad experience, there is a gift and you probably don't realize it at the time you, you recognize it later looking back on things. So what, if, if you recognize a gift out of the whole experience, what would that be? Other I, than our children? Right. Yes. Other than that's children. an easy gift. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you, do you mean a gift out of the relationship or a gift out of the divorce? Well, something you sort of learned just from the whole experience, like something good that did happen out of it, other than your children, that you wouldn't have experienced, but for that whole experience. So in a weird way, I think one of the gifts of the divorce is TH. Because I mean, we always joke that like, we got each other in the divorce. Like we initially came together because it was her relationship with Darren. And then I got her, not him. So I feel like having, having been where I was at that time in that moment with her was really a gift. I don't know that my divorce experience could have been overall as good, as, as horrible and sad and devastating as it was. I don't know that it could have been as good if I, if I didn't have TH through it all. Um, but I, I think for me, really the gift of all of it is like, recognizing that I, that I do have like standards and boundaries of what I'm willing to accept and not accept. And I have deal breakers. And I think that it's scary sometimes to have deal breakers because people are kind of like, well, what if I don't ever find anyone else? And like, is this as good as it's ever going to get? And I just think you can't have that mindset. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that everything happens the way that it should that everything happens for a reason, even when you don't understand it at the time. And I believe like TH is now with this guy that she would not have been with and she would not have found if she had stayed in this relationship with Kevin. So I'm not putting words in her mouth and saying that's her gift. I'm just saying like, I really believe you have to go through sometimes really hard things to recognize your own strength and, and your own confidence and realize what your own standards are. For me, that's probably the gift that like, I know I can do it on my own. I really do. I think that everybody needs community and everybody needs support and it makes everything easier. But I know that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay. What about you, TH? Well, I agree with Jessica in terms of our friendship and of course my three children. Um, but I would, I think that I am grossly aware of my self-worth. I am worth it. I deserve to have it all in my, whatever it all is in my head might be different than Jessica's or yours, Christina, but in my head of having it all, I deserve it. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to let someone disrespect me again. And since my separation, I created a whole company within a company. I mean, that's so far above and beyond what the job that I was doing before that. Like, I just kind of like, blew up. I just kind of went out there and I was like, I've got an idea. This is what could happen. And I believed it. And I sold it because I believed in myself and I believed in, in my worth. And, um, 
my relationship now with my children and my family and, and this amazing man and my friends, you know, you get rid of the toxic people in your life because that's diminishing my self-worth. And I just think that I, I, I won't like Jessica, like I won't settle. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I trust my gut. Like I also know that my gut was screaming at me and I was afraid to listen to it. I have to listen to it. I literally can't go to sleep if I don't voice whatever is irking my head because it's just, I can't function like that. So I lead a much healthier life for me and as a role model for my kids and as a friend, for sure. Well, I love those stories. Um, but I do want to give you an opportunity to tell us about the ex-experts. How did that come about? And what exactly do you do as the ex-experts? So when we separated, because we're still super young, but just, you know, go along with this with me. XM Radio was new. <laughs> and um, Jessica was in broadcasting. And I've always been in marketing and promotion and, and stuff like that. And I told Jessica, we should start a divorce talk radio show because people can just turn it off. And, and you don't, your spouse won't know, your friends won't know, you were just listening to that channel. There's no trail, you know, tracing it. Anyway, because my divorce was so exhausting, it just couldn't happen. The timing wasn't right for me. I couldn't have it be 24, 24 and 48 hours in a day about divorce. So then um, but probably about six months before COVID like really went, I was also at another transi transitional point in my career and I was revisiting it and looking online and there was still nothing out there to support anybody going through a divorce. There are websites hosted by lawyers, financial planners, by all the industry professionals. And there are some blogs and some podcasts and a lot of bitching sessions on Facebook support groups that are toxic, by the way, anybody listening, don't get sucked into that. It's bad for you. Yeah. So I was like, Jess, do you want to revisit this? And she had also transitioned her career. She wasn't in broadcasting anymore. And I just felt like we need to help other people. We need to help people who didn't have a TH in Jessica and don't have a TH in Jessica may not even have family to support them. They might be totally alone. We want people to know that you are not alone. And we are bringing the industry professionals like Christina with us. And when we interview Christina and we have interviewed her colleague, John, we're gonna ask the questions that you don't know to ask because we didn't know to ask. Right. We've also vetted all of our professionals. Is, this, is Christina somebody who I would hire? Like. Do I feel comfortable with her? Do I trust her? Or is she like trying to scam me and like take all my money and rack up the bills and drag me through the court system? So we have vetted these people from our own perspectives and knowing that we've had completely different divorces, every divorce still is very different, but we are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So we definitely bring a lot to most divorce situations and at the end, Aside from the actual structure of a divorce, the emotional part of it is sometimes too much. And to have the support, whether you have kids or don't have kids, your friends don't understand, especially if they've never been divorced, your parents 
definitely don't understand. They have a different agenda. Everyone's got an agenda. Yeah. We are agenda free. We are a free resource, website, podcasts, articles, blogs, newsletters, uh, testimonials of what we wish we knew. So we can pay it forward. And we want to make a difference. And we want people to be empowered going through their divorce, make it a little easier than it certainly was for me. And maybe also open eyes, you know, for people in Jessica's position, there are divorce coaches, and there's discernment therapy, like, you guys have so many more opportunities for a healthy, um, you know, way to dissolve your marriage and still be a great parent and, and be able to manage with your ex than we knew about. It was there, but no one talked about it. So that's our, that's our purpose. I like that. And there's still such a terrible stigma associated with divorce, maybe not the way that it used to be, but it's still there. And I see that with a lot of potential clients that I'll meet with, there's still a lot of shame around divorce and this idea that you've failed somehow. If, if you're, we even say that we see it in the media that so-and-so's marriage failed. Right. Why do we even have to use that word? Why do we even have to say that? Well, we hope that over time people will stop feeling that. I mean, listen, statistically almost half the people that actually get married end up being divorced. So there shouldn't be that stigma about it anymore, but that's definitely a huge conversation that TH and I have had and, and are still having. It's ongoing with ex-experts, which is, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about the fact that it didn't work out. There are millions of different reasons why relationships don't work out. And unfortunately, if you've gotten married and yours doesn't work out, you got to go through a divorce. But the idea that, that we're offering a platform that people can use, you know, at no cost, it's completely free to be able to read about what your options are or to know that whatever you're going through as horrible, devastating, sad, hurtful, all the things that you feel not that misery loves company, but to read someone else's story that they had very similar situation to you makes you just realize you're not the only one going through it. And if that person went through it, then maybe I can get through it too. I have a very close friend who got divorced several years before I did. And I, I'm not even joking. And I've told her this now today, but I had said to her, like, I remember when I first, that first weekend of telling Darren, you know, we were going to get divorced. Like, even though I had the strength to do it, I remember crying all weekend. I don't think I got out of bed all weekend. And, but thinking to myself, she did it. And if she can get through it, I can get through it. And I think that there's such an element of that that's needed. Like we're all in it together. No one needs to feel bad about it. We're all going through the same emotions, no matter what your circumstances are. But here's what you need to know to be able to empower yourself, prepare yourself. These are your options coming from a completely objective place. I don't care if you litigate. I don't care if you do collaborative divorce. I don't care if you have a high conflict custody situation, do whatever the hell you want. But here are all of the things that you don't know that you should know before you're going through it. And once you get through it, I promise you that there will come a day where you will be so glad and feel so much stronger and recognize the inner strength that you had when you were going through it. That's where TH and I are now. This is where we've been for several years. We want people to know that there is that light at the end of the tunnel. And again, we're all just in it together. So if we can help people make the process a little bit easier since we've been through it, that's the, that's the goal. Yeah. And, and it's not easy it's and not. it's not an overnight this. Nope. This nope. is baby steps. 
Do whatever you can for self-care to keep your sanity. Listen to your lawyer. If your lawyer is the right fit for you, trust your gut and give yourself time because there are a lot of people who, who grieve about their marriages. And there are a lot of people that grieve for the loss of what they thought could be. And that's all totally normal. You're 100% entitled to your feelings. Don't let anybody judge you for the way that you feel. Just know that there are other people that feel that same way. And we can, you know, we can put you together. We can, we've got your back. And so just, just forgive yourself and, and give yourself the space and time and do good for yourself. So you can be where Jessica and I are at this point in our lives. I love this as a resource because speaking as a divorce lawyer, your lawyer can't be everything to you. It's really such a small piece of the divorce. You, I think you do need a lawyer. You need someone to advise you as to the law and guide you through the legal process. Yeah. But there's so many other parts to a divorce. You know, there's that emotional separation, the grieving process you talked about. Um, there's so many different things. And your lawyer is a lawyer. They're not a therapist. Yeah. You know, they're not a psychological expert. They're not a financial expert. There's so many other pieces to the puzzle that you need. So thank you for doing this. I think the lawyers should thank you. <laughs> well, the, the lawyers have thanked us, by the way. But I will say, like, I remember, you know, you feel like I'm paying my lawyer. They should be doing all of this for me. The truth of the matter is hold on to your money and don't let them do it all for you. Right. Like I used to text her ridiculous hours and it just, just don't. Just don't put it somewhere else. Put it where it belongs. Well, I tell people don't use me as your therapist because number one, I'm not qualified. Number two, <laughs> there's people that are way cheaper than me. I mean, right. even, you know, the bartender at, you know, the local water. Right. Might be they don't want to tell the story again. They don't want to repeat it again. They don't want to hash it up again. But the truth is that's the only way you can move forward. Yeah. Because if you deal with it and work on it and, you know, and move on with your life. So tell my viewers how they can find you. Where should they go? Xexperts.com. Our landing page is up. The website, the full website will be launched um, hopefully within the next month or so. Uh, our podcast is available on every podcast platform. It's just, it's Xexperts. And uh, we have a bunch of episodes that have been up already for several months. And we post new episodes each week covering all of the topics of everything that you might need to know for divorce. Our Instagram is at xexperts. And everything is spelled E-X, E-X-P-E-R-T-S. Um, we're, we're everywhere you want to look. Website, Facebook, podcast, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, correct. We and, will have and, links. We'll have links to everything in the show notes for anybody that wants to great. refer to that. And the website, Jessica said in a few weeks, but I don't know when this is airing. So it'll be mid-July. So go go ahead and, and check us out. And if you want us to be somewhere where we're not, let us know. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more information, check out divorcehappyhour.com. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.